You're listening to the Beatbox and Beat Frank show, and sports are back. Big time am, back. Uh, I'm in a great mood, and just going, going around in my everyday life, it has been noticeable. People have been asking me, you know, something happened in your life? Did you get promoted? Nope. Just Big Ten football's back. <laughs> Big Ten football, Rose Bowl bound Indiana, whichever one you would like to say first, it's back. Uh, Credit to the protesters in Rosemont at Fogo de Chao because they did it. They, this is for you guys. You earned it, and uh, we're very proud of you. I know you're joking, but just don't even get started with that. Like, the number of, of tweets from, from people across schools, we'll get into a specific one in a little bit, but people across schools, there's one very particularly egregiously bad one um, comparing it to D-Day, just the... <laughs> the constant like bitching and moaning of not being football and, and patting yourself on the back as a hero. That's not what this is about. Why are people so stupid? And we can't just like enjoy something together without people trying to make it about what they did to make this happen rather than again, acknowledging what the issue was and, you know, steps were taken, albeit from a PR standpoint, not great ones. Horrifically. We're back here. It's not going to be a full season, but it's going to be a season. So get on board. I'm excited. I'll tell you why people have to take credit because the year is 2020 and we are in this whole predicament that we're in. I won't say 100% because of the fact that people claim that, you know, wearing a mask causes problems for them or whatever it may be. But that's a huge reason why. So people want to take credit for doing something that if we had just all paid attention and done what we needed to do in the first place, might not even be that big an issue currently. If one good thing has come out of this whole PR fiasco, um, let's just get right into it. This is giving more momentum to get Nebraska out of the big time because the, just this whole process you would be hard-pressed to find a more wretched, miserable group of people. Um, and they are the ones, the loudest, for some reason, taking credit for bringing football back. I guess it could be potentially because eight players sued the Big Ten um, for not having football this year. Uh, and then it comes back, everybody's happy, and then the bitching and moaning starts again when they see their schedule, which includes – Crossover games against Penn State and Ohio State, who I might mention were on their original schedule to begin with. So this is not new. Uh, it, it's just like every time I log on to Twitter.com for a different reason, my day is ruined. But specifically recently, it's been it's been Nebraska people. Look, Nebraska ball is the worst thing that's ever happened to this world. And I learned that the hard way a couple of years ago when they were bitching about finishing fourth in what was a terrible Big Ten and not getting into the NCAA tournament. It's like, well, you beat nobody. Now we have we'll play anyone, anywhere, anytime, basically, Scott Frost in Nebraska. And all of a sudden they get, the, okay, you're going to play Ohio State first at the horseshoe. And now it's the direct quote from their AD, Bill Moose, who was formerly at uh, Washington State and hired Mike Leach there. So he do- has done some good, but I wasn't toasting champagne. I think a little more thought could have been put into, the, uh, put into pieces of this, and it wasn't. 
Meanwhile, head coach of Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz, on getting Alabama and LSU as his two extra SEC games. I came to Missouri to play against the best. You come to the SEC to go against the best. Missouri is going to get their shit rocked by both of those teams. It will not be close, but they are ready for the challenge. Arkansas, you've got Sam Pittman, their head coach. We're excited to play this schedule. The SEC is the best, and that's where Arkansas belongs, with the best. We got an incredible opportunity ahead of us as a program. I don't see any complaints playing two arguably as good teams. Florida and Georgia are Arkansas's two additional teams. You don't see Arkansas complaining, who is worse as a football team than Nebraska is, and they are playing teams that are on par, I would say, with Ohio State, maybe a step below, um, given that the Buckeyes, I think, are up there with Clemson as the number one and two teams in the country. But the point stands. You get to ridiculously difficult opponents as hard as you can get in the sec basically and they're not complaining whatsoever about the opportunity they're actually relishing the opportunity because it is a chance to go on a big stage and play a big game and win a big game meanwhile you've got nebraska talking about football's back but oh this isn't what we thought it was going to be they're talking about going to a different conference they're talking about leaving and playing games on their own now all of a sudden it's back and you want to complain about it being back? I mean, pick a side. Please leave. No one would be upset. Like when you, the, the thing that annoys me about Nebraska is that they still kind of carry themselves as this football powerhouse. Like Missouri, Missouri does not do anything of the sort and they're still ready and willing to play the clearly difficult opponents that they're going to. Like Nebraska was Nebraska, which has been trying to join the Big Ten for nearly 100 years, um, with zero exaggeration, is in the Big Ten now. They're they are brought in to be a football power. When you look at the last eight, 35 years or so of Big Ten expansion, teams were brought in for pretty obvious purposes. Penn State, football. Nebraska, football. Maryland, basketball. Rutgers, the coveted New TV York market. TV markets. Fucking Jim Delaney. And it's it's no hyperbole on my part when I call New Jersey them native. West. So like maybe that played into it. Yeah. But like they they are Rutger West because no one else in the Big Ten wants them in the conference. They have brought nothing from a football standpoint. Like their basketball team has had more success in the conference. Um they they've not even been the baseball powerhouse that they should be. Uh like the the East-West divisions are very imbalanced. Part of the thinking was Nebraska will be in the West to balance out Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, but Nebraska maybe consider Wisconsin in that category as well. That's a little more balanced than what we have today. And why it's so imbalanced right now is because since they went to the realigned divisions in 2014, Nebraska football has gone 23 and 29 in the big time. Like, you, you can't pretend like you're this football powerhouse and complain about playing good teams. And then when you do play worse teams like Indiana, lose to those teams and just not have a, a good conference record at all. Like where you think the program is, is not there. Like no one in the Big Ten is genuflecting in front of Nebraska football. You are bringing no additional prestige to the conference. Like, Sit down and shut up. Absolutely. (laughs) Earn the respect. Don't sit on your – rest on your laurels from 30 years ago. 
actually do something in the modern day. Give us a reason to give a damn about Nebraska football. I have not cared about Nebraska football, and I can't tell you how long. That's how long they've been irrelevant, seemingly. They are slightly more relevant because they are in the Big Ten now, and we obviously are in Big Ten country, and that's what we see the most of. But it's like Northwestern finishes better than Nebraska consistently in the Big Ten. Yeah. We, we give Michigan shit for consistently finishing out of the top three in the Big Ten East. Nebraska mm-hmm. does that with ease in a considerably easier division. Like yeah. They can't finish top three consistently. So, like, what are we doing here? I don't get it. The, the amount of, of self-importance that Nebraska football carries is just unbelievable. Like, the, the amount of equity that Scott Frost built up by UCF being a feel-good story, how quickly he has pissed that away at Nebraska is mind-boggling. It really is. And I don't even know if you hope for their sake that they win. Like, there are situations where you hope, you know, like, all right, turn around or, like, back up the talk or whatever it may be. At this point, it's just complaining to complain. Like, you bitched and moaned that you wanted football back. You got it. And now it's like, oh, well, the schedule is unfair. What more do you want? Would you like would you like to play Rutger in Maryland as your crossover games? Because I don't think that's gonna happen. Yeah, like just complaining about playing crossover games against Penn State and Ohio State in this conversation we had last football season. You're doing that? Guess what? Indiana, Rutger, Maryland, they play those teams every single year because they're in the tough right. division. So for you to have to do that once every couple of years, like what was me? Yeah. They get the world's smallest violin out. You can't, you can't be, in your mind, an elite football program and also be complaining about playing a Big Ten schedule. Like, yeah, those two things cannot coexist. <sighs> I thought you said you were happy. I, I was. Good, <laughs> good feelings are gone. Um, no, I had, I'd been saving that up for a while. Just so, so goddamn annoying. But I'm happy about Indiana football. That's uh, we'll we'll have the Big Ten preview in a couple weeks. Um, until we'll get into obviously that sleeper and everyone else. There, there are twelve other teams. Um, there are that may or may not talk about. But yeah, I'm I'm happy that. Football is back. You know, the, the Bears did their best impression of Indiana playing a ranked team on Sunday, um, except they actually won, so that was a welcome change. So I'm, I'm ready to do that you know, eight or nine more times this fall. So I, I, don't, I don't care at this point. Like, it'll kill me every week, but it is, it is better than no football at all. So Absolutely. Like, we, we need to measure – the, the opportunity cost here of would you rather no football or would you rather have this feeling like the pit in your stomach every week watching this team play? Give me the pit. But yeah, it, it is very exciting to see the big 10 is back. Well, I guess the only thing to say is like, let's see how it goes. Like wh- where's the PAC 12? Are they going to make a move? I mean, you, you what about even, the Mac? Can't even go outside and breathe. That's true. Country. So that's just like they they were never like for for a lot of non-COVID reasons, they were never gonna play again. The first and foremost being the players actually asking for rights. Like true. 
that got swept under the rug very quickly. Yeah. Administration just to be like, yeah, we're just not going to play football then. Um, but yeah, they, uh, the, the Mac could potentially come back, which that would be huge. Love, love some more Mac action. So far we've really had for weeknight football. It's been like coastal Carolina and Campbell. And while that was a point explosion, it's, uh, doesn't necessarily hit the same as a, uh, Absolutely Akron, brutal. Akron absolutely brutal backdoor cover by Campbell in that game too. Yeah, I believe you. I just I just took the over, so I don't I don't even remember what this. Brought I was. wish. I think it was like twenty five, and they won by twenty three. That'll that'll hurt. That'll yeah. Hurt. It's okay. It's just the season, though. Bad beats, bad losses by Indiana football. I don't care. Bring it all on. I want it all. Yeah. <laughs> Very brave of you. Thank you. Remember that. Remember this moment, everyone. Yeah, when when you're talking about heroes, don't <laughs> don't think of the online idiots. Think of us, right here, taking, taking the beating both in in gambling and the teams I root for with a smile on my face. Because mm-hmm. once again, I'm a man of the people. My if my misery can bring joy to others. That is my cross to bear. Doing the Lord's work, truly. Yeah. Uh, okay, so. I had to get that off my chest about Nebraska. Overall, we are still in, in high spirits. Um, let's take a look back at week three in college football. Definitely some winners and losers. I think one of the, the biggest winners you would have to say is the U back. They're definitely not back, but they looked good in the second half. I mean, when you can – when you can run two plays for 75-yard touchdowns each, something good is happening. And obviously, on the flip side for Louisville, something ter- terrible is happening with your defense. Honestly, the first play, the Cameron Harris touchdown, it was a simple motion to clear out the entire right side of the defense, and then the safety just got caught in the middle of the line, and he was gone. It was a foot race at that point. Uh, the Jalen Knighton catch was kind of the same thing. It was basically a wheel route out of the backfield on a play action, and it was over. Um, Louisville's got a lot to fix defensively. I don't say the U is back because they still gave up 34 points um, and did not look very good in the second half defensively, especially on the ground against uh, Hawkins. I can't remember his first name. Javian Hawkins, who, while short, is an absolute monster of a running back for Louisville. You just got to do better against a guy like that. And the Louisville offensive line was just blowing up Miami's defensive line off the ball. So you, <laughs> while I will give you a little bit of the U is back because they're 2-0 and and ranked in the top 20 and, you know, beat up ranked team on the road slightly, um, it'll be – it takes a little more. Like, De'Ara King looked better through the air. He didn't look great, but he looked better – the offense is certainly coming along. Defense is now a worry because I thought that was their strength, or at least the strength of this team, and right now I don't think it's there. Let the record show I asked that question tongue-in-cheek, but... Of course. Yes. Um, it, was, it was a point explosion in every sense of the word. Like, Louisville's defense was pretty atrocious. Their big three offensively, Cunningham, Hawkins, and Atwell, all played pretty well. They were all pretty productive, but it was kind of... a an opposite performance from De'Ara Kings. The opener was very little in the passing game, pretty much doing everything with his legs. This game, did almost nothing with his legs, and everything was coming through the air. So it's, it's better, I, I think, from a purely objective standpoint to see you know, De'Ara King. We, we know he's talented, but to see him as 
a more well-rounded quarterback, especially against, you know, it's, it's a weird season. Rankings don't mean as much, but against a ranked team on the road, I um, thought that was pretty impressive. But, yeah, that's – I saw some people putting the U in, uh, in the playoffs after this game. Maybe Love that. A little bit there, but in a vacuum, it's a pretty impressive win. Absolutely. Uh, the, I mean, we did bury the lead here, though. Tathan Martell opts out of the season. Thoughts? Yeah, that's uh, definitely no, no playoff happening now. Where, where does he go from here? I don't know. Like, there are places you can go. If Lane Kiffin were still at FAU, I would love to see him there. Yeah, you're obviously going to have to go down a level, whether it's an actual division of football or just to a smaller FBS school. Um, like, just be, be a little self-aware. Um, or don't. Like, it's, it's entertaining fodder for the rest of us. But Shout out, Tathan. Friend of the program, Tathan. Yeah, we'll get him on after <laughs> he hears one of these he is long gone probably mf and us everywhere yeah i think we're safe there yeah uh also i had notre dame on there after interesting uh, i i mean not not ian book specifically but i i think notre dame's rushing attack for sure impressive in south florida um should have scored on the first seven possessions but couldn't, couldn't seal the deal on a field goal. And then their, their defense through two weeks has been pretty special. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know, like, South Florida, not a power five school, but just complete domination from start to finish, especially given how flat at times the Irish looked on both sides of the ball in their opener against Duke. I thought that was a, a very good bounce-back performance. Definitely important to see uh, the running game get going. It, I mean, Tyree, Williams, Flemister all had nice games. Um, Ian Book, like, the question is going to be from now on, we know Notre Dame's strength is the offensive line, Ian Book's playmaking ability, but who's going to be the playmaker at receiver? Tremble had three catches for 60 yards. I don't know if he's the guy, but, like, what are they going to do in terms of finding playmakers there? Doesn't seem like we've got an answer yet through two weeks. It would have been nice to see someone establish themselves as that, but at the same time, getting the run game going, seeing the defense pitch a shutout, those are both very positive steps forward. Definitely. Um, another one, to shout out the Golden Knights, UCF. Big time. Georgia Tech got a, for them, impressive, albeit sloppy win in the opener against Florida State. UCF came out and absolutely crushed them with their tempo. Um, Dylan Gabriel, very sharp. 660 yards of offense, which is the most that anyone has put up against a Power 5 school this year. Houston Baptist came close, so don't know how much we have to read into that. But um, UCF, they've had quite a few opt-outs, but they look every bit as good as advertised. Um, And, again, like – it, it's going to be a little murkier with the Big Ten entering the fold, but even so, I think UCF's going to be in the conversation for a playoff spot this year. Absolutely, and if they play like this, it's going to be tough for someone to beat them outside of a you know a playoff team, because just given their schedule, like you said, Dylan Gabriel was great. They have 
so many running or so many options to to run the ball it is outstanding and this is even after all the opt-outs so for me the biggest key was just seeing how they would take on a power five opponent yeah it's on the road i don't know if it means the same thing as it would in a normal year whatever that means but going on the road taking down a power five opponent after all these opt-outs all these question marks and they still look very good i think i mean that was Maybe as impressive, like maybe maybe you could ask for a little more out of the defense. They did give up 227 yards on the ground, but Georgia Tech is still, you know, year two out of the triple option. They're still going to be a running team. Yeah, still built to run the ball, and yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't the perfect football game, but it was right. It was pretty darn close. It was, it was impressive. It was performance. Yeah, I've, I've got some more, but I'll I'll see the floor to you if you want to. I'm going with the thundering herd. Give me Marshall. I mean, ranked Appalachian State comes to town. Zach Thomas, who is a quarterback we've talked about previously on this program, um, he he's there to run the offense. Like, this should be a pretty solid App State offense still. They managed just seven points. Uh, Wells did not look great throwing the ball, Grant Wells, but he did it with his legs. He scored – one on one on the ground, and then uh, Brendan Knox had 28 carries for 138 yards and a score. 17-7. Defense looked very good. Offense, like, offense is going to do what they can do with a true freshman quarterback. I am excited to see Marshall back in the top 25 for the first time, and I don't know how long I should have looked it up, but I didn't. Um, it's always fun to see the herd out there. They were thundering. Uh, yeah, it's uh... – I guess I'm more of the glass half empty guy between the two of us. Um, so I, I saw this as more of just a pretty rough performance by Appalachian State, but credit where credit's due to Marshall. And yeah, it's, it is another one of those things. First, first time ranked since insert year that we are going to just see all year long. Right. Until the big time comes back. Definitely. Uh, the other team I was going to give props to is – as a true prospector, Navy, I, I picked against them this week, and that was foolish because they erased a 24-point halftime deficit to win 27-24 at Tulane. They did it throwing the ball. Like that, that might be the biggest surprise. Morris was 6 of 11 for 139 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, they still did damage on the ground for 204 yards. Carruthers is going to be the, the load bearer for that rushing attack every time 25 carries 127 yards always doing the dirty work and uh the defense just stepped up and figured it out i mean maybe it's shaking off the rust of not hitting anyone for an entire off season which clearly was not the best move but if it you know if it stops the spread and keeps guys from getting sick of course that's the right move for ken niamatololo but you need you need to to get some game action in, and maybe it just took six quarters for the defense to figure it out and step it up. Apparently, because it was a very tough visual off the bat. Um, the, yes, by you loss, and then what Tulane was doing right off the bat. Same thing. I had Tulane as a loser this week because <laughs> um, you you blew a twenty four nothing lead. But right, if you didn't throw another interception late or deep in Navy's territory, but. Yeah, credit to the troops. This uh, it it brings a little more more intrigue to game later in the season because I mean it wouldn't really be fun for anybody if 
like I, I know it is the ultimate throw the records out game, but it wouldn't be any fun for anyone if Navy just gets blasted by everyone every week and Army is cruising and then we don't have a competitive game. So it's mm-hmm. good the Navy going life. Um, I, although I bet on them, I certainly don't hate seeing Tulane lose in agonizing fashion after what they did to me last year. So we, we can all come out winners here. Revenge is fun. It is. No matter what they say. Um, I, I would just give a shout out to SMU's offense. Yeah. Tony Excess is back, 65 points against North Texas. Granted, this is not the North Texas of the past couple of years where they have Mason Fine at quarterback and like a halfway decent defense. It's a bit of a rebuild job. And I mean, scoring 65 on anybody is impressive. Yeah, 710 yards of offense. That'll, uh, not bad. That'll, that'll catch your catch your attention real fast. Um, yeah, but kind of like what we said last week with, with Rattler and Ellinger, like Shane Buchel is one of the, I mean, arguably one of the best non-Power 5 quarterbacks, one of the better quarterbacks in the country. Yep. Certainly showed that last week. Yeah, he, I mean, he's a Texas guy. Like, yeah. this, is, this is what Very we've much. got. And, he, you know, he's played at big levels. I feel like he's been in college forever at this point. Um, so he, you know, he'll step up and make plays when he needs to. Yeah, that was uh, that was my last winner as well. Oh, parallel thinking. Um, first loser is Tulane. We covered them already. Who you got? Who can we pile on? My first loser. So this is the flip side of yours. Uh, is South Florida. Okay. Like a team known for offense, can't even muster a hundred yards offensively. Yes, it's a good Notre Dame defense. Is it great? I don't know yet, but it's good. South Florida's offense just was so anemic the entire game. They couldn't get anything going. It doesn't look great. I mean, they scored, what, 27 points? Yeah, 27 points in the opener against the Citadel. Uh, We saw Clemson. This is an unfair comparison, but we saw Clemson put up 49 in the first half, I think it was, or 45 in the first half against the – 49 against the Citadel. Like – you got to do better than 27 points against that team. Um, so South Florida's my biggest loser of the week. Just you expect them to be more competitive than they were. Breaking Clemson is better than South Florida in football. Headline. Uh, South Florida had a great year in what, like 2007? They were probably better than yes. 2007. They were ranked number two. Uh, yeah, I remember. It's when Rucker was randomly good, too. Uh, that was the Ray Rice here. Yeah, the olden days. Um, yeah, but with respect to South Florida Notre Dame, it's a little hard somewhat to determine where credit blame should lie because, as we said, in the preseason when we were breaking down top 10, specifically Notre Dame, like there's a lot of question marks on the defense in terms of returning talents, specifically not having much. Um, so, yeah, I guess. I guess I'm glass half full here. The, the optimist in me is, is looking at this and seeing a dominant performance from Notre Dame. I can understand the other side of the coin when you are coupling that with not the best offensive performance considering the opponent with what they did against the Citadel. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, who's to say? We'll leave that up to the listener. One, one of us in a couple of weeks, probably. Yes. We circle back. Um, I had, had to, had to go back in on the big 12. 
Um, Here we go. But not the team you're thinking. Um, Iowa State was a loser again with – Yep. It, it could have been worse. It yeah. could have been worse. But Louisiana Lafayette at least came back and escaped with a win over Georgia State. But That was free money. There was a significant hangover yeah. from the Iowa State win. And, like, I know we're, we're getting into dicier territory with the transitive property, but I don't care. Like, it, it made as, – as bad as Iowa State made themselves look, this only made things worse. It wasn't good. Like, I, I think I told you last week when we were recording – the line of the Georgia, like of this game, and I, you have to take Georgia State because it's just so yeah. easy money. I, I didn't take the money line. I'm glad I didn't because I would have been sick to my stomach losing that way. But it, it felt so much like a trap game and resting on your laurels and you know, big time letdown after an emotional road win and all the cliches. And it absolutely was. And like, it just goes to prove that while some things may change, everything stays the same. A little consistency in 2020, never a bad thing. Right. Um, obviously, the, the team that actually played last week um, would have been quite something if our respective Big 12 sleepers and Big 12 preseason champions went down in back-to-back weeks. Yeah. Oklahoma State, fortunately for you, escaped over Tulsa, but it was not the most inspiring performance. It was not. Uh, this is actually one of my losers this week is Chuba Hubbard. He had 27 carries for 93 yards. That snaps an 11-game streak he had of 100-plus yards rushing. Uh, he had, like, 38 yards in the first half. Tulsa is not known for their defense, and they were really smothering the Oklahoma State offense. Yes, Spencer Sanders did get hurt, and it came in. Uh, Illingworth came in and looked as pedestrian as you possibly could. Granted, he's a freshman, but it wasn't great. The offense looked pretty bad and uh took a fourth quarter comeback to to take advantage and there was a point i believe it was the third quarter where tulsa was deep in oklahoma state territory and could not score that would have given them a two score lead but it was ugly yeah oh well i mean it's at the same time it's it's game one jitters but it was uh it was certainly the opposite of what I think everyone was expecting. I think if anything would have expected this to be, you know, close in a high scoring game rather than a low scoring one. Um, right. Like Drew Hubbard not getting a hundred yards, certainly not due to a lack of touches. Uh, so that, that was a little bit surprising, but yeah, it's, uh, you, you don't have the, if you are one of those teams that doesn't exactly schedule tough out of conference, you don't have the opportunity to work out the kinks over the course of, you know, three games as you normally would. It's, it's right in the conference schedule now. Um, so that's, that's going to be a, a little bit uh, trepidatious for a lot of these schools and players who might not have had the best week one performances. It's they figure it out now or else. It is also tough that you have an All-American in Tyler Wallace and you can only get him the ball four times. Like, you've, you've got to figure out ways, whether it's gadget plays or, you know, quick hitter screens, something. Get the ball in his hands and let him make a play. Like, give <laughs> – Juba Hubbard is also All-American quality, as we've talked about at length. 
give him the ball as much as you need to, but at the same time, you need to take some of the pressure off. Like you can't just continue to feed him the ball and expect things to work out every time. Especially playing a school like Tulsa, you can get the ball in Wallace's hands. You're not playing like right. LSU. Like it's it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Live to fight another day at least. So there's that. Congratulations. Um, that is I think that's the first time I've had more winners than losers, but if you, wow. you got anybody else. Like I Posit- said, I'm in a good mood. Positivity. Um no, I think that is it. Just want to make sure. Yeah, that's that's all I had. All right. Well, week three in the books. And with week four, we will see the SEC play for the first time. So before we get into breaking down our ranked matchups in week four, which includes an SEC one, we thought, let's take a step back. The more top-down view of the SEC and kind of what to expect in this, I mean, unorthodox season, to put it mildly. Yeah. Um, Same thing we just did for Big 12 and ACC. If you've been listening for longer than a year, you're no doubt familiar. Let's get into it. Your SEC champion is going to be? You're going to be surprised. It's Alabama. Uh, they're the most talented team on both sides of the football. Dylan Moses is the most talented defensive player in the entire country. He will lead the defense. Uh, offense will be interesting. They've got a ton of playmakers still at wide receiver. Uh, Najee Harris, obviously back at running back. They've got a very good offensive line. There are tools and there are weapons there. Mac Jones can figure it out. And this should be, it'll be a drop off offensively, but the defense is going to be improved over the past two years, which where we saw more unorthodox Alabama defenses because they were just so young. Yeah, it's, it's Alabama for me too. And the drop-off from Tua to Mac Jones is obviously a drop-off, but we saw he can be productive um, with what he did last year in, in limited opportunities. And the rest of Alabama's offense, every other position – in my opinion, they're head and shoulders better than the rest of the SEC. You mentioned Najee Harris, who's going to be a Heisman contender. You still got Sponson Smith, Jalen Waddell, um, who also helps you out in the return game. Four or five starters back on the offensive line. Like, they're going to be fine as long as Mac Jones does what he showed he can do last year. Um, yeah. That, that is pretty much as good a situation you can walk into as a, like, First time, full time starting quarterback. Um, and yeah, the defense, still a good linebacking group. So you mentioned Christian Harris as well, Dylan Moses back there. It's not the Alabama defense that you think about in the preseason where you can just rattle off all of the future first round picks. But as Saban has done time and again, we will see those guys emerge over the course of the season. So I'm not, right. I'm not super concerned about that at this point. Yeah, it, it, I mean, Mac Jones, like we said, is a drop-off, but he is more of a like regression to the mean of what Alabama quarterbacks have been over the past two decades, basically. The same person, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which, it, it was preposterous for a while. <laughs> and it works. Yeah, you just look back at, even going back to the, remember some guys, John Parker Wilson, Brody Croyle. Yeah. McCarran. It was literally just 
the same the same guy a lot of times turning around and, and handing the ball off uh, it's it's certainly become a, a much more dynamic offense over the last several years and I think that'll that'll continue this year with the receivers he still has around him um, but yeah you're right it's it's more the the stereotypical Alabama quarterback but he did he did put up some pretty pretty good numbers he Again, can he can sling it size yeah, yeah. but it's uh they'll, they'll still be they'll still be pretty dynamic yeah the I think the question is like how open is the offense or like how ham how hamstrung is he by the play calling we'll see yeah we'll see. he got as a sleeper you already know who it's gonna be Tennessee yeah. the Vols Rocky Top uh hottest team in the country closing the year outside of LSU unbelievable comeback in the bowl game lest we forget they've got talent on defense they've got maybe the best offensive line in the entire conference playmakers back at wide receiver this is the maturation of one of the top recruiting classes in the country from three years ago they are older they are wiser they have game experience it all comes down to quarterback play it has to improve Plain and simple, if, if Tennessee wants to compete and they want to win games, the quarterback play has to improve. That's what, that's what you got to watch for, but I think the defense is going to be very good, surprisingly good. The offensive line is superb, so the run game can get going, and uh, I love the Vols. I think they've got a real chance to surprise some people. I will, I will grant you best offensive line than Trey Smith. I don't, I don't know if best overall offensive line. It's close. There's a lot of good O-lines in yeah. the SEC. I I also honestly like I, Tennessee slipped my mind when you said you already know. I was thinking Texas A and M. I thought you were <laughs> absolutely still, not still full tilt with them. Um, yeah, that's uh, t- Tennessee. I uh, I don't regret that I did not get on board the bandwagon this year because now I can just step off and and root for Indiana once again. But they're certainly an intriguing team, like you said. Outside of teams that were actually playing in the playoff, nobody closed the season um, better. They are in that way, like the NFL sleeper that everyone picks every year. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll we'll see if they they suffer the same fate. It was it was the 49ers a couple of years ago. They've had a pretty good run, so I would not lose hope. But it it is going to be a challenging first game for them, I think playing at South Carolina, as we talked about kind of when the schedule came out, that's uh, if anybody knows how to just make a game ugly and, and take away any, you know, perceived advantages you have in terms of skill and talent, it's going to be a Will Muschamp. So that'll be, that'll be a pretty one. It's a great test. Like that, that's what you want to open the season if you're Tennessee, because you get through that. That's that. I mean, as stupid as it sounds, it's one of the tougher games because it's like Evanston at 11 a.m. on a Saturday. You, it just all the life is drained from you. And if you can win a game with basically no energy and no, no, uh, no life, you've got a chance to, to do some things this year. I appreciate you welcoming that challenge with open arms because we know Nebraska would not have the same answer. Of course. My sleeper is going to be Florida. And before you say that's a weak sleeper, Lest we forget, they were the fourth SEC team in my preseason top ten, so it still counts. Fair. But for for reasons that we we kind of went over before, um, it's it's Kyle Trask who is the most prolific passer in the SEC last year. 
and Dan Mullen's offense, Kyle Pitts, best tight end of the conference, arguably the country, um, Davius Tony as well, that offense. And the, the defense is going to be a little bit of a question mark. As we said before, it's, it's a little bit of a reversal of fortune from Florida over the last you know, decade or so. And a lot of that is, you know, to Florida's detriment is they were some pretty boring top 20 football teams that couldn't really figure out how to complete a forward pass. That will not be an issue this year. Um, but they get Brent Cox Jr. over from Georgia, who will help them out in their pass rush. Um, and then a couple of good young corners, Marco Wilson, Kyrie Lillum, who will do their best to figure out how to climb the ladder in the SEC, slow down this Alabama offense, should they make it to the championship game. It's all about Kyle Trask. Like, it, it's dumb to say, but it's, it's really all about him. He's got playmakers. He's got the gifted ability at quarterback. He's probably the best quarterback in the conference. I, like you said, he's definitely the best passer, um, but I would probably say he's the best quarterback in the entire conference. I mean, there are a couple other guys. Terry Wilson might have a shout when he's accurate. Um, you could give Kellen Mond a look. Depends on what you think of Kellen Mond, and I know you don't think much. Well, the, I, what I was going to say is they're, they're a player – like, it's, it's not the best year for quarterbacks in the SEC no. compared to some that we've had, um, especially now that you mentioned it and, and now that, you know, Jamie Newman is, has opted out. That certainly right. helps or hurts the overall quality. Um, but, there, yeah, there, there's some quarterbacks to talk about and players to watch that, you know, have pretty much very specific skill sets but not necessarily – as well-rounded as you would hope. Um, yeah, it's it's generally not a good year. Um, obvious exclusion being Tebow and a couple others when a Florida quarterback is the best in the SEC, but that is where we find ourselves. It's a, it's a new age. Yeah, it's I, – I mean, it's just wait and see. Like maybe maybe Mac Jones just blows everyone away or maybe Kyle Trask just continues to, to be the, the leader in the clubhouse. I mean, Mac Jones will have the weapons. Yeah, absolutely. So, so th- this one could have gone a number of ways, mostly two, but yes. who, in your opinion, is the best new hire in the SEC? I went Mike Leach. Uh, he's just got proven success at turning around programs, and Mississippi State isn't necessarily even like a rebuild or a turnaround. Like, obvi- obviously, they've fallen off from where they were a few years ago with Dak Prescott, you know, playing in the one versus two Egg Bowl. But they just need, like, uh, to re-identify themselves. Um, I feel like there's been so much in and out over the past few seasons at head coach and coordinator that they haven't really been able to establish an identity. And now Mike Leach gets in there and he can put in the air raid offense, which is going to be just outrageous to watch against these SEC defenses. Now he just needs to find the talent in the state of Mississippi and like Lane Kiffin recruits. So that's a fun battle to see in that state, especially, you know, obviously Alabama's right next door and Auburn's right next door. And then, LSU is right there as well. So seeing how Leach can recruit at the level of the SEC um, and then how his offensive game plan and what the hell he does defensively, because you have to be able to play defense if you want to win games 
in the SEC, it's not the Pac-12 or the Big 12 anymore. You, you have to have a capable defense. So looking and seeing what he does there uh, is going to be the most intriguing thing to me. But I like Mike Leach a lot. I think he's been a great coach for a while. He tackles each opportunity very uniquely, and he's got a very – he's got a weird brain, which I like extremely weird brain um it's yeah i i went with leach too for many of the same reasons you were laying out he has won in the most difficult place to win in the big 12 he's one of the most difficult programs to win at in the pac 12 mississippi state isn't the most difficult i I think arguments can be made for vanderbilt kentucky um, but it's it's pretty far down there Um, yeah comparatively the the facilities are not the best compared to what you're going up against the conference. It's not very surprising that Dan Mullen bolted for Florida, even though he was getting paid a King's ransom already to coach the Bulldogs. Um, I I think one of the interesting things is right off the bat, he's going to have arguably the best running back he's ever had in offense because he typically has not used one. He's coming over inheriting Kylan Hill. Uh, so I think that'll be pretty fascinating how he incorporates him into what is normally a, a straight air raid look. Um, but yeah, if I'm, I'm putting, putting my confidence long-term in, in Leach to have success in Mississippi State, Lane Kiffin will be entertaining at Ole Miss as well. The Egg Bowl was already entertaining for yeah. obvious reasons. Um, it'll, it'll continue that way. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what he does off the bat with KJ Costello, Kylan Hill, and Mississippi State needs to get receivers. That's, yeah. that's kind of the, the big thing for the air raid to work. They haven't had a receiver break the 600-yard mark in a season since 2016. Like, that's going to change. That if will change. If it doesn't, he's going to flame out so quickly. But that, yeah. that is going to change maybe even this season. But – yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely something I'm excited to see is Mike Leach and Starkville. Yes, and you kind of took you, – you didn't kind of. You absolutely took one of my top three players to watch in the SEC this year. It's got to be Kylan Hill. I mean, yeah. what does the offense look like? I mean, we ha- we, like you said, we haven't really seen Mike Leach with not just – I don't want to talk poorly about any of the running backs he's had, but he hasn't had like a true playmaking running back like Kylan Hill before. Well, I, I think the thing you can say to not insult anyone is just it hasn't been a priority for him. Like right. He hasn't, he hasn't been building offenses around running backs. That hasn't been his MO. And so right. now here he's just inheriting one who happens to be super talented. That'll be something we haven't really seen with him before. Right. Um, not really by his choice. So how he adapts to that, because you, you have to keep Kylan Hill heavily involved in this offense. You You can't just go – straight air raid as, as you would as if you had, you know, one of the guys at Washington State. Like, you have to incorporate your best offensive player. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that'll it'll, it'll probably be a little bit of a, uh, a blend year one, um, and then he might revert back to his old ways. We'll see. But, yeah, that's someone you absolutely have to keep involved. I, I just don't know what he's going to do, and that's, that's the fun part is <laughs> you get to wait and see. It'll be interesting, no matter what. Um, I, I had Kellen Mond as one of my players to watch. Most 3,400 yards of offense, 30 touchdowns last year. Like, you can't deny the guy puts up numbers. Did have some turnover issues. 
a season ago, and I think we can agree that Texas A&M was disappointing and mm-hmm. yet still continued to appear higher in the polls than more deserving teams who will remain nameless. But even so, like you, you can't you can't deny Mon's talent. He he is talented enough to be the best quarterback in the SEC. And if ever there was a year in which he could do that, it would be this one. Yeah. Um, the the competition is probably at its lowest since he's been in school. Um, but it's a big I would year. argue Jimbo needs it. You're right. It's a big year for him, big year for Jimbo. Um, so you know, you gotta make things happen. Definitely. Um, do we want to just dig into a couple more players then? Oh yeah. Yeah. We got cool. I mean, Jalen Waddle was another guy we've already mentioned before, but like his dynamic play, both at receiver and at kick return, punt return, make him such a threat throughout the, throughout the game. Um, Derek Stingley is the best defensive back in the country at LSU. Uh, KJ Britt over at Auburn, George Pickens, Georgia, um Isaiah Spiller at AM, so they've also got a good running back. It'll be th- there's a lot of weapons there. It's just will they use them? Are they going to be able to figure it out? Uh I mentioned Terry Wilson before. He's coming off injury, so love to see what he can do. Hopefully he stays healthy. My guy at Tennessee, Henry Toto. He's dynamic playmaker at linebacker. Get him in the backfield and uh let him wreak some havoc. And then uh to give some of the, the one of the lower teams to shout Rakeem Boyd over at Arkansas. Yeah, um, that's kind of what, what Arkansas has going this year. Also, Felipe Franks. Yes, that's, that's where I ended up. But they will, uh, yeah, they will not be good. But no. Rakeem Boyd is. Um, oh, I forgot Bo Nix, Auburn. Yeah. Maybe the most intriguing player in the entire conference. Yeah. And Bonix as well, does he take off in year two? A um, couple of good linebackers. Nick Bolton over at Missouri. PFF yep. top-rated Power 5 linebacker last year. You also have Jamar Watson at Kentucky. Took over for Josh Allen. Very good season last year. Six and a half sacks, 11 and a half tackles for loss. Um, and then a couple of intriguing guys over at Ole Miss for Lane Kiffin to play with. Um, the, the leading rusher in the SEC on a per-game basis was actually a quarterback, John Reese Plumley. Um, and then he was a freshman last year, fellow freshman in the backfield, Jerry and Early, 6.9, nice yards per carry. So those are two guys, um, very young, coming in for laying to really mold into um, a pretty fearsome offense. Those are two great young pieces for him to work with right off the bat. Um, and they have Elijah Moore at wide receiver too. So there's stuff there. There could be some points scored. Yeah. In the Egg Bowl this year. Shocker. Imagine that. Um, yeah, but that's about it. Um, I, yeah, I think the biggest story really to watch is outside of, you know, who wins is does Bo Nix make a leap year two? That, yeah, that is the, absolutely the biggest thing. And like, it's Gus Malzahn's MO. He is the offense guy. He figures it out how to get his team, put his team in the best place. They have a chance this year too. Like their, their defense is always good. I, I cannot remember a year when Auburn's defense was not solid. The offense is always what it is dependent on to win them games because there's only so much the defense can do. You got to score to win, believe it or not. That's another headline we can put out there, but 
just we, we talked about it so many times with the inefficiencies and like the, the inability of Bo Nix to make plays last year really hurt and he needs to figure that out in year two. Perfect transition there to talk about our, our week four ranked matchups to start with Auburn. They are hosting Kentucky um, who talked about who they've got returning. The most notable guy they don't have returning is Lynn Bowden who late in the year really carried that offense. So a lot yeah. of people are kind of writing Kentucky off for losing him despite returning almost everyone else. Yeah. Um, but it's a tall order game one playing at Auburn. Who do you like here? I'm the Auburn guy. I always go Auburn. I think that, but this fits the mold of like an Auburn season. They always, even in this crazy fucked up year that 2020 is, they always have a very difficult week one game. No matter what, they always challenge themselves. They always get a big test and it feels like they win it ugly every single time. I expect nothing less than that. I think it's going to be an ugly game. Definitely a lot of rust on both sides, which does not, which does not go well with what we were just talking about for Bo Nix of needing to look sharp and improve over last season. It feels like a game Oh, maybe even like the beginning of last year where he kind of just makes a couple plays late in the game in the fourth quarter to close out a win that they probably shouldn't have gotten. But I'm going to take Auburn in a very close game. Yeah, that was definitely the epitome of an ugly win, how they started off the season last year. Um, yeah, like Auburn's strength is their defense. They've got a phenomenal front seven once again. Kentucky has a pretty good offensive line. Um, yeah. One of the better ones in the SEC, talking about all the good offensive lines, Landon Young, Drake Jackson especially. But it's a very big ask to go up against Auburn's front seven week one. Um, I, I think that'll be a good battle, but I'm with you. I, I think ultimately Auburn is going to have just a little too much. Um, Kentucky is an interesting team to keep an eye on. Um, just how they fare without Bowden at all in the offense. There, there is still a lot of talent on that roster. It just was overshadowed for much of last year because the offense was just get the ball in Bowden's hands and right. let them work. Like um, good, good luck blocking Big Cat Bryant on that yeah, defensive line. Yeah. You know, just to shout out a great name. I don't think week one is going to be the, the Kentucky coming out party. But no. Been wrong before. Once or twice. In circumstances. Yes. Um, all right. So the troops have their big game. This is this is Michigan week. This Army is at Cincinnati. Um, I I wrote one sentence here, but I will <laughs> let you go first. I I want to hear the sentence. Let me hear what you have to say first. Run the damn ball. Run the damn ball is right. Troops by hundred. I am. All in. Not only am I all in on Army just in general, like winning this game, I've got the money line already. <laughs> I've already placed that bet. That is locked in five seven, plus 575. Cannot believe the troops are getting disrespected like this. Um, I'm trying to find the stat from last week. I, Cincinnati's defense did not look good against a poor Appalachian State team. They, where is it? Uh, they gave up 140 yards on the ground. Army will triple that potentially. I mean, I, I don't want to go that crazy, but they will at least double it. Army is going to have a great day on the ground. They will control the clock. That's how they're going to win the game. Um, Desmond Ritter is the key for Cincinnati. If he can have a good game at quarterback and, and score when Cincinnati gets the ball, that's what they need to do because 
presumably Army is going to run clock. They're going to try and control the game, control the tempo, slow it down as much as possible. And when they get into that mode, it puts a lot of stress on your defense, which then puts stress on your offense to actually capitalize and make plays. I do think Cincinnati's a good football team. If we're going talent for talent, Cincinnati's obviously the better of the two teams. Stylistically, though, I think Army wins this game. Yeah, it's Army is never going to put out the most talented team on the field. It's just such a unique thing to prepare for that, you know, the service academies historically give teams fits. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm generally most weeks I'd be partial to Cincinnati because their backup quarterback did go to LT. He had a couple couple big games last year, especially against Memphis um, when Desmond Ritter was out. So shout out Ben Bryant for that. Yep. But I I gotta go Army here. Um, until until someone can figure it out this year, I'm gonna keep rolling with the troops. Uh, it's and like if you're just looking at this on paper, if both teams lined up and ran the same offense, like Cincinnati wins this game. But that's not how this works. Like we, right. we saw, we've seen how dominant Army has been your couple weeks. Cincinnati has so far a glaring hole in stopping the run against a team that cannot compare to Army's rushing attack. So I think it'll be close. It'll be a big challenge for Army's defense, just as it is for Cincinnati to stop Army. But I, I think Army's going to pull this off. I'm looking for the drive they had. I don't know if it was last week. I think they had like a, or no, it was, it was week one against Middle Tennessee. They had like a, an 18-play, 12-minute drive. 19 plays, 85 yards, nine minutes. Like, and then they had, and they had a 19 play, 99 yard, 12 and a half minute drive. One of those ends the game against Cincinnati, in my opinion. If they get well, one big drive like that, I think it's over. Such a mental thing, too, because yeah. after that, like, you follow that up and you go like three and out or something. It's Your just defense like, is right back on the field getting its teeth line. kicked in. Yeah. Um, I used to go see like Navy Notre Dame. That would that would be all too familiar. Um, so I my my first game I ever went to was of course the one where Navy snapped the Notre Dame winning streak. Oh, in like double overtime. The Roger Staubach days, yeah. Oh. That, that Notre Dame team was atrocious, but yeah. there were a couple times where they were uh, Navy was getting up to like getting close to twenty play drives. Yeah. You, you stop them on, like, third and three and think you're off the field? No. We're going to go for it on fourth and one and get it every time. Or, yep. like, even, like, fourth and three, fourth and four, it doesn't matter. Like, there, it's going to be four plays like this every time. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Army's just going to weigh them down. And, and uh, I mean, Army has been building to games like this for the past couple seasons. Like, this is – Jeff Munkin knows what he's up against. Like, this is his biggest chance to make a statement. They are going to go for – basically every opportunity they have to get points and to, to hold the ball as long as they can. Especially after Michigan just slipped through their grasp last year. Which... Both Michigan and Oklahoma. I mean, they've had yeah. two games. Yeah. This is obviously a significantly weaker opponent in regards to those two teams. You got to like the troops here. You got to. Um, and then finally, ACC second straight ranked opponent for Louisville who stays in the top 25 after losing a tough one to the fight in the Air Kings. Who do you like here? 
I'm going Louisville. I, I liked what I saw from them offensively. Defense obviously has a lot of issues. I have not been impressed by Pitt yet this year. I know Kenny Pickett's a good quarterback, but I like the Louisville offense way more than I like anything Pitt's got. Well, Pitt's kind of the reverse. And as you know, I was going back and forth on this game. Yes. Um, but, but Pitt is, is very much the opposite of Louisville because they, they had a very ugly win last week against Syracuse. Ugly offensively. Kenny yes. Pickett is, is pretty much all they have going for them right now. But this is a team that is built in Pat Narduzzi's image. Um, yes. Some of his like, best teams, best defenses at Michigan State. This is like you would not expect Pitt to have one of the best front sevens in the country, but they do. Here they are. Sacked Syracuse seven times last week and just dominated the line of scrimmage. And obviously Louisville is a little bit of a different animal. Um, they, they've got a little more talent offensively, but that is, that is the matchup to, to watch for. Strength yep. on strength, I think Pitt's going to win that matchup. Respectfully disagree. We, we can't agree all the time. This is, this is our disagreement of the week. That's fun. I'll get over it. Um, Will you right. be on the wrong side of Louisville two weeks in a row? Probably. We'll find I've out. Been, I've been on the wrong side of uh, Syracuse every week this season. Sounds about right. Might as well just keep that up with some other ACC teams. Yeah. All right. Um, it's about it for football. College basketball, the battle for Atlantis is canceled, except it's not canceled because no one can figure out how to do PR in the year 2020. Yep. Just now we've goes. also got Duke talking about maybe making their own tournament and hosting it at Duke for yep. like racial awareness and equality and all that stuff, which is great. But like, what are we doing? Like, let's figure it out now. We've got two months before the season starts. Yeah. Um, do uh, yeah. I don't really really understand why why Duke's trying to get out of the battle for Atlantis. It's still a very good field. Um, mm-hmm. Presumably, they're going to call it something else. I guess that's what the announcement was from the official battle for Atlantis peeps. But yeah, I don't like. You can do the same thing even if you're not hosting it at Duke. Um, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't see much correlation there, but yeah, that's, it was, it was a wild day on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. But that's pretty much all the real college basketball news there is. So might as well get into fake college basketball once again. Um, he checks in. We were both in Brooklyn, but sadly neither of us won our preseason tournaments. It was ugly. I played uh, the two toughest teams I could in the tournament. Not in good ways. Well, I mean, Illinois, we played in like the fifth place game, I think. Did not even come close in that one. And then uh, lost to Mizzou early on in the second round. So the, we won game one. So that would be for third. We, we only won game one, lost game two, and then lost game three. Right. So the third one would be a third place. So you okay. Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could not do the math. That was a struggle. That was. Um, I, was trying, I was trying to figure out how you played Illinois for fifth if they were the yeah. second game, But, yeah. That makes sense now. Okay. So one and two, but 
two losses to the other good teams. I, I we lost the it. two teams that were better than us. I, I was scrolling forever just to try and find my damn schedule. Uh, we lost to uh, Missouri by 11 and Illinois by 19. Neither were great. Yeah, I, I unfortunately got fifth. Um, dropped the opener to Tulane. We'll have the revenge game coming shortly. Um, and then blew out Pepperdine and Texas State. Um, so I, I got that consolation championship, but didn't get a chance to play Virginia or Butler like I hoped. Um, I, I think at this point, the trade-off for me is very clear. I can either win my exhibition game or I can win the first game of preseason tournament. I can't do both. So I, I did I did get off the Schneid and beat Baylor in my exhibition, which is meaningless, but through three games, Bennett Ball seems to be working. This your your Georgia Bulldogs currently are boasting a top ten scoring defense in all of America. So the wins will follow. I can tell you very, very confidently that whatever I'm doing is not working. Preston Fields is great, my center. I don't know. I mean, I need him to stay, but he is currently, like, by and far, my best player. Um, he's, he's been great. Jonathan Bruns, my small forward, is good. Jamal Bradley's been playing well. Tyree Patrick, massive disappointment. He is my best-rated offensive player at 8.6. He scored seven, three, and three points in our first three games. So... Going to need a lot more out of him. Al Edney is outscoring him, I believe. And that, that is, uh, as we know, tough. But it's, uh, I mean, it's a long season. I'm not, I'm not going to get down on the guys. You know, I, I, know, what, I know what those negative things can, uh, can do to the team. Our offense is not great. Our defense is 300 second. I knew it wasn't going to be a strength. I didn't expect it to be that bad. But uh, the offense has really got to pick it up. We're only averaging 68 points a game right now. Yeah, if it's any consolation also, um, your boy Chrysler transferred to Kentucky is only averaging 1.7 points per game through the first three. Um, but overall, I am loving the, uh, the stats. Yeah, huge, um, huge it's, benefit. It's a lot more visibility into, you know, who is actually performing well on your team. And mm -hmm. for some reason – the worst guy on my roster is like close to averaging a double double. Don't He's, question it. Just take it. I, I'm, I'm just, I, like, <laughs> I, know, I know my voice was going up and right. but he's, he's my boy out of Indiana. Still don't know how the game assigned me to him since Indiana is not in the Southeast, but take it. 8.7 rebounds a game leading the team. Um, he, yeah, I, I have no idea how, but uh, it's happening. Like he, he's not even one of my top two front court players either. He's coming off the bench and just taking names, dunking on Pepperdine. But I don't know. It's like I'm disappointed to lose to Tulane. They're not as terrible as Tulane in real life, so that's the spin zone I'm doing for myself. But once real non-conference play happens, we need to – we need to start seeing some results. Yeah. I, uh, I, can't, lose, I can't afford a Georgia loss this year, unfortunately. <laughs> as bad as it. 
I'm not the worst team you're playing. No, you're absolutely not. But it, I'm saying it in I'm saying it out of respect in that I need the win. Like it would be it would go a long way in boosting my resume to get me to a third straight tournament because at this rate I don't think we're gonna make it. Got it. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm outside the the top hundred in strength of record right now since I think I'm in the nineties. I lost to Tulane and beat two absolutely terrible teams, but for the for the coach of the year polls. I just would like to point out that I've so in a very small sample size, I've improved my defense nearly like 300 spots. Considerably. So obviously, that will not hold up through SEC play, but just to take a a snapshot of where we're at right now, um, I, I think it's it's pretty decent. And assuming, which might be a big assumption, and this will blow up in my face, and I'll be pissed next show. But if Crystal Ball is a lock again. I locked up a, a top 100 Juco power forward to replace my best player for next year. So hopefully year four won't suck. But have to knock on all the wood to make sure first. How about Towson about to grab the number six recruit in the country? Yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of small fries making noise. Greensboro, Holy Cross. Yeah, I... Uh, I I got him back on the docket for season four. Hartford, Delaware. Um, I I can't out-recruit anyone this year. It was a huge mistake to even focus at all on – I mean, you have to go one way or the other. You can't be both. And we've said this from the beginning. If you go down the middle, you're going to get screwed. But you have to – I have to go either all in on recruiting or player development. And – I right now cannot out recruit Villanova, Connecticut, St. John's, or not St. John's, St. Joe's, um, Providence. I mean, who else was there? Well, all, some... all those schools you just listed were all Northeast schools. Correct. I'm saying I can't out recruit these guys for the guys I want. Yeah. Um, so it's not great. My hope is that everyone over recruits early and kind of lays off in the second period, second and third period, and I get a chance at some of these guys. But it's not looking promising. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's a little disheartening. Um, I'm still having some of the same struggles. Um, fortunately, all of the top guys available to me were, like, positions I needed, so I just went down the list. But, like, last year I couldn't, I couldn't win anybody over Georgia Tech, West Virginia. Um, so – Hoping they they changed and yeah I'm I'm gonna need to recruit every cycle to replace the guys leaving. So if I if I can only get one at a time, that'll be 100% necessary to replace the three guys who are definitely leaving. So yeah, needed needed the first one here at least to build something for the future. I think I technically made one offer, but I shouldn't even have done that. Like there was no point in even doing it. Just left it even though the crystal ball has shown somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, shoot your shot. You know, like... It says I made these... two offers. What the hell? I definitely did not make two offers. I don't know. One, I think it's in Discord that the, the team offers might be off. Okay. But, yeah, it's uh, like on one of these... Oh, they... Uh, Oh, did they literally just put in commitments? Yeah, you got Marcus Mitchell. Let's fucking go. Okay. Number 100. Yeah, still still top 100. 
Butler got another top 100 guy. Probably on one offer. They're shooting – yep. They're shooting ridiculous. Yeah, Butler doesn't miss. Gonzaga got the number two guy, and I'm pretty sure they went winless in their tournament. So Neat. Sucks to suck. All right. You can uh, – Desmond Wright, that's going to be your guy. Desmond Wright? Yeah, number 13 overall. Calling your shot. I like that. I don't know if it's going to work, but I like that. From Trenton, New Jersey. Oh, what Trenton makes the world takes. It's, it's destined to be. Miles Powell, Trenton, New Jersey. Give me him. Is that an actual expression they're like saying? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's from the, the Brooklyn Bridge was built in Trenton, New Jersey. This is a fun fact for all our listeners. So they made a sign on the bridge that leads into Trenton. What Trenton makes, the world takes. Wow. I had no idea. And then Gus Johnson repurposed it for Miles Powell whenever he scored. I have clearly spent zero time in that part of the country. Uh, there is no reason to ever go to Trenton, New Jersey. Fair enough. Apologies to all of our Trenton listeners. If MP, if you're listening, I don't mean that in the wrong way. Like, we love you. Uh, thank you for everything. Just, just not enough to come out and see you. I have no reason to go. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think you'll be able to keep your job. Uh, Good. I don't, I don't think they're going to get you out of town if you just keep making the tournament every year. Let's hope so. I will, I will do my best not to help. Um, are we going to play it before we record again? I want to say yes. Yeah, so there's going to be two cycles before we – I think we plan the second cycle. So Get your popcorn ready. <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm nervous too. But my, my front court's producing. Backcourt is not at all, so I don't know. It's it's gonna be like a fifty-seven fifty-five final or something like that. I would hope it's in the seventies so I can win this game. <laughs> if it's in the fifties, I don't know if we're gonna win. I don't know. I've already lost one low scoring game already to a team considerably worse than you. So we'll find out. Bennett Ball has obvious flaws such as limiting the number of possessions and letting yeah. us around i've already fallen victim to that once but like tony bennett i am resistant to change now that i have done this so we are we are ride or die we do not yet have a line on our game all right they i looked at they made lines after the fact for most of these um tried covered two out of three but yeah also we both were in the uh, – we're definitely not in the current one, but we were both in the preseason bracket from fake Joe Lunardi. Excellent. You setting up in familiar territory as one of the last four in. <laughs> I think you might have actually been, like, the very last team in um, his projected field. We did um, not do anything to help our case. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, same as last year. Like, you were one of the last four in. Um, yeah. Gonzaga, an early bracket. I – I think I was I was in eight nine game in the, uh, the preseason. Temple is the last team in. It's me, Miami, TCU, and Temple. Although Miami is a protected rival of mine, so that's interesting. Well, I, Tulane is a protected rival of mine, and I played them in the very first game of the year. Oh. It, uh, Unique. It yeah, I, I, you're telling me like it. It didn't even make sense because I was 
the the third best team, they were like the fourth, and we played each other first. Um, He's got you with a with a shot at uh, the defending champs if you can get through Texas. Shaka. Oh God, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I want that. Um, just, you know, just just making the tournament would be an honor. That's. The- <laughs> I, I need I need to set that up for the inevitable like thirty point loss in the second round or wherever to like I'll eventually run into like Florida or somebody. So the good news is that Texas is now number six. So I don't think you're going to be meeting them in the eight nine game if you're there. Well, I mean the the season is just getting underway. Like it is. You saw how teams pinballed back and forth like North Carolina, Virginia last year, um, all over the place. But correct. While we're on the topic of the rankings, the latest ones that have come out, have to give a shout out to a couple teams. Green Bay. Green Bay up to five. Stony Brook at 22. Valpo at 24. Yeah. You need Virginia getting knocked out of the top 25. So, yeah, everybody's happy. Shout out to my Big East brethren, Villanova and Butler, both in the top 10. Uh, the rest of the conference is greatly letting you guys down. We'll try and pick it up. Missouri and Ole Miss are top ten teams. Yeah. The SEC addition to Kentucky. I I don't like that everyone else also gets better in the SEC. Like, yeah. Does not seem fun. I won't anyone think of me. <laughs> inconsiderate. Inconsiderate. It really is. Yeah, but that's about all I've got. We will. Uh, we will be at. Very different ends of the spectrum next show, depending on how we do. Um, obviously, my good mood will not last, so I'm looking forward to whatever sports ruin that. But uh should also announce if you want to listen to us for not only talking about college sports, but also the gambling side of things, we're going to be starting recording the spread option again. It'll be coming out later this week, um, all through college football season. Ryan and Nick will obviously be talking about all things NFL and you guys have in uh, Jackson on this week too. We're, I mean, there's a lot up in the air right now. There's a lot of moving parts, but there will be two shows, one specifically for college football, which Fox and I will take care of. And then the NFL where we will just have a hodgepodge of people on. And then any additional gambling insight like Jackson doing UFC picks, which he has been great all year. um, We will probably add to the NFL show as well. So Keep your keep your eyes open for that. Yeah. So if you if you enjoy hearing us, you get to listen to us some more. If you're getting sick of us, suck it up. Yep. It's it's coming anyway. Um, Subscribe. Yeah, if, you like, if you like making money, keep on the lookout for that. Obviously, we'll keep doing this show as normal, and hopefully, fingers crossed, I will be back to gloat over a Georgia victory next week. But either way, we'll see you next time. <laughs>